0: Good morning everybody. Welcome here this morning. My name is Kevin. I'm part of the pastoral staff and uh, get to preach from uh, Ephesians chapter 3 uh, this morning. Paul is, is uh, preaching uh, his, his, uh, his sermon here to the, to the Ephesians and uh, he ends up uh, getting into this prayer that we're going to look at today and uh and it's a pretty passionate prayer paul Paul kind of stumbles over his words through this through this section, and, and which kind of makes me feel good because i 'm going to stumble over my words just to to make Paul feel you know good about himself uh to stay true to the text and and uh, uh, I kind of feel like like I need to be like a like a, a revival teacher today. Like, Or like, you know, like one of those fireball teachers that's just like, you know, our our brothers and sisters in Pentecostal, just, you know, ah, you know, like one of those kind of, it's just not me. So like, just imagine like a real fireball preaching type person, or maybe like a, for those of you that know Pastor Harry here on staff, like a two-fisted sermon. Like when he goes like this, you know he's business. It's like, like that the whole way through today. Just imagine that in your mind. Chan knows what I'm talking about. Okay, good. Let's read together uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 uh, to 21. It'll be up on the screen. Uh, I read from the uh, NIV version uh, here. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how high and wide and long and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church, and in Christ Jesus, throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So, those of you who are kids, those of you who uh, are still kids at heart, you can join in this. I want you to daydream while I preach. I want you to not pay attention. There's going to be enough adults in the room that will be paying attention, so I'm not going to say anything bad. They'll I'm not, I'm not, you don't need to cover your ears. That's not why I'm asking you to, to, to not listen. But I want you to daydream about some of the most awesome things that you possibly can daydream about. Okay? The coolest fort. The most amazing video games. The coolest, most creative animals that you can make. The adventures that you want to go on. The most amazing dude perfect trick shots. Whatever it may be, think about the most awesome, imaginative thing that you can possibly think of. And adults, you're, you're welcome to join in this as well. Uh, between the two services, I had a man who is clearly older than me. I won't say how old, but he was a grandpa. And he came up to me and described this rocket ship with this sports car. and It was all like reusable. It was awesome. I want you guys to get there. We're going to use uh, this imagining, how God can do more than we ask or even imagine at the end uh, of this all. So uh, kids, you, you could have bulletins as well, uh, or those of you who feel like kids, uh, there's bulletins out there, you can ask for the ushers, maybe draw, my daughter drew a whole thing on the back for the, through the first service, draw on it, figure it out, uh, dream. Okay, so this, passion, this passage starts with the, the phrase, for this reason. Uh, which is the same line, if you look in your Bibles, at the beginning of chapter 3, verse 1, Paul says, For this reason. And then he goes on, Paul, the prisoner of Christ, for the sake of the Gentiles. And then in my version, it's just like uh, chapter 3, verse 1, there's just like a hyphen. It's kind of like a stop. And he's like, I know, I'm going to go another way. I have to keep explaining this to you over here. And now he's coming back to this reason. Some translations say, For this cause. So what is the reason? What is the cause? Uh, It's a great segue into a a brief review uh, on the book of Ephesians uh, so far of what we've talked about here. Uh, The the book of Ephesians is a letter to the early church where Jews and non-Jews were both being told that they could be adopted into God's family because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. The sin, the anger, the judgment of God that should have been on them was instead taken on to Jesus, who is like the Jewish uh, sacrificial lamb. And now sin that caused them to be separated from God had been forgiven. They were all able to be living in a right relationship with God. Jews and Gentiles together now in one family. And the family was the church. Jesus is the head of the church. And those who believed in him by faith were now part of the family of God. This was an, a new concept. Jews and non-Jews living in unity. Last week when, when James preached, he, he, he said the Jews called call those Gentile dogs are going to be my brothers and sisters in Christ. And Paul is saying that his role in all this is to be, he's called to preach to the Gentiles the saving grace of Jesus. And as a Jew, to tell other Jews that they are to live as one. And this has been God's plan since the beginning. It's a mystery that's now been revealed to the whole world that we can have peace with God and with one another. And that's the role of the church. To bring peace with God, to bring peace with one another. It's a lot for those early uh, believers to get their mind around when... They've been doing things for a certain way for a few thousand years. One author says it this way, a little bit more concise than me. The world is in chaos. Division is everywhere, between nations, one another as people, and even in our own inner life. It is God's design that all the discordant elements should be brought into one in Christ Jesus. But that cannot be done unless the church carries the message of Christ and the love of God to everyone. It is for that cause that Paul prays. He is praying that the people within the church may be such that the whole church will be the body of Christ. So Paul has stated that unity and love shown through the church will heal the divisions in the world. He has also stated that it is only because of the grace of Jesus that humanity can be restored into relationship with God. And so he kneels before the Father of Fathers. He kneels before the Father whom, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. He's making a point this isn't just uh, our Father, this isn't just God the Father. He's making the point that God is the whole one who created the concept of family. Every family, heaven and on earth, has its beginning and its identity in God. That's who he is. He's the one who started the family and created and called the church. It's a family that's greater than biology. It's greater than a genealogy. It's more important, it's, it's far bigger than that. God's family, the church, the Jews... And the Gentiles are now brothers and sisters. And he kneels. And he prays. In a a culture where where normal prayer was kind of standing, palms out, that would be more like the normal prayer. That would be our our modern day, you know, bow your head and close your eyes kind of type of prayer. So he's saying, I'm kneeling. He's saying, I am like super passionate. I'm not following like the normal, like bow your head and close your eyes kind of prayer. This is like the full-on, full-blown prayer really passionate prayer for you. And he prays for two things. He adds a ton of descriptors in this. He's kind of all over, a little bit of verbal diarrhea going on. Full out two things. Christ dwelling in your heart and that you would know Christ's love. Those are his two prayers in here. We'll look at him here uh, re- briefly in, in uh, the, a couple of uh, these points here together. Um, the first one, Christ, Christ dwelling in your heart. It's a bit of a strange saying, actually. It would have been heard as kind of a strange saying that uh, us as, as evangelicals have now kind of over-sentimentalized. Ask Jesus into your heart. Prayed to ask Jesus into your heart. It's actually the way we have it is, is far more based on, on Revelation chapter 3 where Jesus stands at the door and knocks and we let him in. Uh, it, it's kind of a weird thought. It would have been received weird and it's still kind of, to me, is, is kind of a weird statement. Because it's, it's weird enough to the early believe, the hearers of this that Jews and Gentiles are going to be one family. That, that one that one's still getting their mind around. But now a God, the God that's so big that he created the whole universe, is going to fit within me, a mere human? It's as weird as today, a modern-day equivalent, would be walking up to someone on the street and asking them if they wanted a guy who lived 2,000 years ago to be surgically implanted inside of them. Try it someday. Walk up to someone and just ask them that. If they'd like that 2,000-year-old guy, surgically implanted. Like, what? What are you talking about? The context here, though, isn't Paul saying to a child to ask Jesus into their heart. The context here is the church. And Paul is saying that the church, strengthened by the power of the Spirit, so that Christ may dwell in our hearts. See, former Jews would have been far more familiar with God's dwelling being in a temple. A holy dwelling, a dwelling that has no impurities. The body was believed to be bad. The flesh, the body, it, was, it wasn't a place for a God, it was impure. How could a God dwell in a body? How could a body be clean and pure and holy enough to contain a God? So in, in, instead of God living in a temple, Paul is saying that you... Are the temple. Jesus' spirit is within you. To the Corinthians, he's a little bit more explicit in chapter 3 and 6, where he talks about our bodies being temples of the Holy Spirit. We become the pure, clean, holy dwelling of God. We have the power of the spirit living within us. Verse 18 we have the power to grasp the love of God, We're, we're made perfect. By his love it makes a lot more sense when we recognize ourselves as being whole beings body, mind, spirit, our spirit being in line or empowered or indwelled by God's spirit. and we can connect with God and him and him and us. But we need to recognize that, that God made us spiritual right from the beginning. Our spiritual, mental, and physical needs are are connected. And when the spirit changes, the mental and physical change. We're, We're whole beings because we're whole beings. God works in us and he works through us to be and to think and to do the things of Jesus. We'll come back to that. The second thing that Paul prays is that we would know Christ's love. But here again, Paul adds so much. Rooted and established and having power and together with the saints and how big and how high and how long, all of those things. Basically, here Paul is praying I pray that you would understand the ununderstandable. I pray that you would embrace the unembraceable. I pray that you would know what infinity is, is Paul's prayer for us. I, I, I struggle to. to convey what Paul is really passionately trying to convey. I think Paul even struggled with, what, what, I, it's that angst of, I want you to understand it. The only way that I can picture it for you, maybe paint a mental picture modern day, is, is by watching the Olympics. And you just think of a parent who has taken their kid to the rink at 5 a.m. for years, paid thousands of dollars, sat at countless events cheering for them, seeing the tears of failure time and time again. And, and you watch a parent as their kid is about to go down this run or take to the ice or, or whatever. it is. And They're just hoping that it works, that they get it. Oh, come on, hit the jump, do the trick, do whatever. Just that, that angst and love of a parent that just knows what that is and just can't describe it. I looked for a picture, I was sure there was going to be a great picture of some parent just in, in like, trauma, over the, like, yes, I want this so bad for you. I couldn't even find it, I, it's crazy, on Google, I couldn't even find a picture that really contained it. Uh, Paul, like a, like a parent, uh, doesn't just want them to, to understand this mentally, he wants them to fully embrace God's love as part of their life. Back in, the, in that culture, they had uh, people called the Gnostics who, who had influence on, on culture. They were the ones who intellectually understood faith but just didn't make it practical in their, their daily lives. In short, the, their salvation came through knowledge. If you just knew enough, you would be saved. And Paul's fighting against this. It's not just knowledge about God. It's fully experiencing God's love. It, it's hard to preach on experience and not make it academic. Okay. The tension I'm in is, how do you do? have a three-point sermon on something that's not supposed to be a three-point sermon? You're not supposed to intellectually get it. So the best I can do is, is uh, give an example of maybe uh, what I, I, to better understand what Paul's prayer is, and, and it's a seed. I have some seeds here, there's some, some up on the, on the screen. It's kind of like, instead of me telling you that this seed contains all the instructions needed for it to become a plant. It will grow roots. It will sprout. It will draw nutrients from the soil and energy from the sun. It will grow into a plant, photosynthesis, blah, blah, blah. Instead of me just describing this to you, it's actually planting the seed in the soil. And the seed contains life, But it can't just grow in my hand while I'm talking about it. It's not going to just poof. No, it has to actually experience the environment. Water, soil, sunlight. And Paul is saying, plant the seed. Put it in the soil and experience the growth. When a seed is, is rooted, when a seed is planted, when a seed is established in love, the life within it grows out. The seed ends up growing into a tree. It remains rooted in the soil where it receives continued nourishment. Its roots, its roots keep it grounded. It's established as the tree flourishes. Paul's praying that the church will experience the growth of Christ, not just understand the process behind it. If the seed could speak. What's that? Thanks. I think it would say yikes if I was telling it what was about to happen to it. I think the seed would go, I don't want to burst open. I don't want a shoot to go out one way and a sprout to come out the other way. And I'm going to be a tree? That's way more than I can ask or imagine. No thanks. I'm going to stay safe. Keep me dormant. I'm just going to play it safe. Just lie here. And I think that's the risk that Paul is, is addressing. Of just like, yeah, you've got to take the, that risk. Be the seed. Become the seed. Sensei. Whatever. Be rooted. Be established. Allow God's love to fill you and grow in you. Become a tree. Together with all the saints, become a forest. Allow God's spirit to water you and to put, into you, put you into nourishing soil and allow his energy to shine on you. Paul talks about knowing this love that surpasses knowledge. In other words, I can't just tell you about it. You need to experience it. You need to take the risk. You need to jump in. You need to be the seed. Our, uh, our staff has worked at uh, what we mean by discipleship. What do we mean by being a follower of Jesus? What does it mean to really follow him? What, what needs to happen? What needs to be the environment for a seed to flourish? And we've put them up there uh, for you to see. we kind of narrowed it down to four things. Create community, experience and model Jesus' love, train one another in obedience, and serve and proclaim the gospel. Serve others and proclaim the gospel. That's what it takes to be a disciple. That's the environment for a disciple to to grow in. It's not perfect, but we find it helpful. Uh, It's the environment that that us as as believers need to grow. And knowledge is important, absolutely. And right now, in some ways, you're experiencing training one another. It's more just me speaking to you. Training one another is better done in in a small group environment where you can actually interact and do the one another uh, part better, but there's some training. You're also partially creating community, or at least you have an opportunity this morning to create community, not just sit beside the person, but actually to build community and get to know each other and, and all that. But today, I think Paul is, is really hitting hard on, with this passage on the part that is experience and model uh, Jesus's love. We'll get to the modeling part. It's more just the, the experiencing uh, Jesus's love. See, we're created uh, uniquely And there are many ways for people to experience Jesus' love. And unlike a seed, we get to actually choose our environment that we put ourselves into. So what's the environment for you to best experience the love of Jesus? When are you filled with the fullness of God? Many people say uh, it's it's through reading his word. Many people say it's, it's in times of prayer. Those are good. Good answers, you pass, Uh, but there's other ones as well for some of you. I'm going to list a few, and maybe just as I'm I'm reading them, just what twigs with you? What are those places where you just feel the fullness of God, the experience? That's the environment that you just thrive in with God. Going for a walk in creation. Seeing a sunset, a sunrise, walking through the mountains, walking by a nice lake. Another one, uh, empathizing with someone's story. Someone shares their testimony and you hear what God has done in their life and you're right there with them and you just feel that so deeply that God is speaking to you through them. Uh, helping someone in need. When you find that person on the side of the road with a flat tire and minus 30, your spirit comes alive because you get to help them. Hearing a song. Some of you it's through ritual, through, through repetition. Attending Sunday after Sunday, after Sunday. Scripture memorization over and over again. For some people, it's silence. For some people, it's solitude. For some people, it's social justice. There's children out there that are slaves and you just want to free them. There's wells that need to be dug so people can have water. For some of you, uh, experiencing the environment where you're caring for, for the sick. Or maybe you're, you're, you're with someone at their deathbed, just helping the, the sick and the dying. For some, it's planning or maybe attending the biggest celebration party. That's when, oh, that is awesome. Birthdays and anniversaries and other major parties, those are awesome. That's where you've just experienced God so much. For some, it's looking at or maybe creating a piece of art out of clay or on canvas. For some of you, it's giving generously, giving presents to people, gifts, tithing. For some of you, it's, it's in moments of repentance and forgiveness where, where a relationship is restored that you just love that moment. There's, there's lots of different ways, that, environments, that we can experience God's love in. And hopefully some of those connect with you. Uh, Gary uh, Thomas' uh, Sacred Pathways is a book, um, to, to, if you want to read more about that. There are many ways we can experience God's love, and you're made different than others, but those are a few ways to experience the height and the depth and the breadth of God's love. Uh, this is the start of the season of Lent. And historically, it's a time for us to give up something uh, in our life so that we can focus on something even greater. So people give up food. They fast from food so they can embrace and focus more on prayer. It's a great time to be thinking through uh, the environment that you are in. What needs to be removed? What needs to be replaced? What needs to be added? How are you going to root yourself in God's love? I'd suggest many of us just need to remove things, uh, our time, we're too busy. Maybe you just need to simply add rest into your life. Add 15 minutes of sleep and take out 15 minutes of social media. Maybe give up a cup of coffee and give the money to someone in need. Maybe you need to spend more time alone instead of spending time with people. Maybe you need to spend more time with people and spending more t- instead of spending more time alone. I don't know what you need to change about the environment that you're in, but when we start to enter the environments that Jesus is in, all of a sudden we become more like Jesus. Jesus fills us, and we start doing the things of Jesus. We start modeling Jesus' love to the world. Now, when you experience this fullness of Christ's love, you end up modeling it. And Paul talks about all the fullness. Not just to know, but to be filled with God. And not just to be filled with God, but to be filled with the fullness of God. And not just to be filled with the fullness of God, but to be filled with all the fullness of God. It overflows, it it describes infinite love. It can't be contained. The seeds burst open for all the world to see. The Spirit has cleansed us, and Christ has indwelled us, and God has sent us. And that's the fullness of God. And so is, is this prayer still relevant today? The prayer that Paul prays? Do we have divisions in our world? Do we have divisions between one another? Are people struggling within themselves? Are people still living separate from God? As I, as I went through this text, I dipped more into, into the personal, but really, like I said at the beginning, this, this, this prayer is corporate. This prayer is for the church, for all of God's family. Paul's prayer is for the church to be the church, to be the body of Christ, for the church to be rooted and established in Christ's love, strengthened with the power through the Spirit to grasp how wide and how long and deep and high. We're going to look at uh, chapters, this is only the first half of, of Ephesians, the next half Paul goes on to describe more in detail of how to do this using spiritual gifts and, and, and other things and we're going to talk about that in the, in the coming weeks. Paul's talking about the grace of God, restoring relationships, and that the people of God, filled with Christ's love, would pour out the love of Jesus into a broken world. That's the hope that comes with the church. I'm going to take a guess, just a guess, that Paul knew that there are still going to be people, even after this passionate prayer, that are still going to go, yeah, there's no hope. Yeah, it can't happen. The unity between those two people, those two groups, it can't be fixed. It's too big. It's too deep. It's impossible. can't happen. And I think that's where Paul ends up putting in why Paul puts in immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. God's love, love is able to do anything more than we can ask or imagine. So I asked the kids and the big kids in the room to use their imagination of some pretty awesome things. I, I, I don't imagine super great. Um, I'm too old, but my son sure can. My daughter sure can. So we were talking about this ahead of time, and Owen, my son, comes to me, and he's like, "Hey, Dad, you know that hill at school? Underneath, in the hill, there's an invisible fort. And in the invisible fort, there's water slides with speed boosters on them. There's an Xbox room to play in. My daughter added, and there's a gold bathroom. God's love is greater than that. God's love is greater than a spaceship with a sports car going up in it. God's great love is, is greater than an invisible water slides with speed boosters. Anything more than we can ask or imagine. Jesus can do more than we can ask or imagine. And he is going to use the unified church to do it. He's going to use believers like us to restore the world. So let's put ourselves or allow ourselves as the church collectively to be put in an environment of God's love, where we'll experience beyond mere knowledge, before, beyond just, okay, I get it, but we'll actually experience it, and that out of that love, we'll be part of the cause, the reason for the unity, the restoration of relationship with God and with others. To God be the glory in the church and in Christ through all generations, forever and ever. Amen.